Welcome, everybody, to the NSO Show. He is Sterling Pingree. I am Tom Corbett. And God, a good weekend of football. Great win by the Cowboys. And just a lot of mediocrity in the middle. We have, what, 13 teams that are 7-6 and six or 6-7, six and seven, I think? Boy, that's how it seems. If that's not true, that's that's exactly how it seems. But Tom, let's let's go with your Cowboys. I was thinking of this. Fin- finish the phrase. That win, and I don't mean this is this isn't a backhanded statement at all. That was the Cowboys' best win since. Probably the Eagles last year would be the closest one. Did Jalen Hurts play that one? I don't remember. I th- I thought they won their backup game and we won the Cooper Rush game, but it might have been the other way around. We might have been. I, that's we how might have been in, beat Gardner Minshew. But. I would say in my head, you beat Gardner Minshew. Was it Christmas Eve? You beat him in Dallas, but you Cooper Rush got his first loss in Philly, right? Maybe that's how it was. Because in my head, and again, no disrespect, this might be Dallas's best win since Super Bowl Thirty. I wouldn't go that far because it's just a regular season game. Not okay. that we have a ton well, of playoff wins in that well, time period. I was gonna say, but there's like, been a couple, like, you know. Maybe the Tampa. We were tired. We were tired, Tom Brady. Okay. Okay. Um, put him on the shelf well, I mean, how, right well, next to just, my kid's elf. Let's just say, I mean, how many playoff wins does Dallas have? And, and I mean, this is a legitimate question. Since Super Bowl Thirty, I want to say it's three. Could be four. I have to look. Like, Ro- did Romo head. ever win a playoff game? I believe Romo no, he won, won one. He won, the, he won the one in Detroit, right? Yeah, he won one, and Dak has won two, I believe. Yeah, because he beat Tampa last year. I think he won a wild card four. Oh, in Seattle? Yes. Was that the one? That was the one where Sebastian Janikowski was randomly the kicker for the Seahawks. I think we need to deep dive on that because I feel like I feel like Seattle started someone unorthodox at quarterback. Well, that was just during an unorthodox time period of well, no, Seattle but it, Seahawks. It, it, no, but in my head, like I think it was was it during the Russell era, but they had to start. I don't know. There's some. There's some weird. You know, like I, I keep thinking of the uh, the Vikings. Was it Joe Webb started a playoff game for the Vikings that one year? And uh, for some reason, that sticks in my head that that was like a strange Seahawks team. Yeah, well, Russell Wilson. It was Russell Wilson. Okay, maybe it was just that Janikowski was the kicker. Must have signed him off the street or something. Some reason that sticks in my head. Uh, yeah. Like Steven Hauschka must have gotten injured or something like that before the... Janikowski, two for three. He was looking real big then. That was post... But, I remember the Cowboys getting Janikowski from the Colts. 
Everyone's like, ooh, Dallas has solved their kicker issue. No, you got Mike Vanderjack. Oh, yep, you're right. I'm thinking of Vanderjack. I know that, that because I played him. That went real poorly. That went real poorly. That went very poorly. That was after Peyton doomed him with the curse of the idiot kicker at the Pro Bowl. Um, so, case in point, back to my original idea. So, three playoff wins for Dallas since Super Bowl Thirty. I mean, we kind of forgot about the Seattle one. Um, I don't think you really want to bring up the Detroit playoff win because I had that whole pass interference call. Five wins. You have five playoff wins. Okay. Yeah. 96 so- won the wild card and then lost to the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> uh, let's see. Lost in 98, lost in 99, lost in 2000. Was, wait, was, was, was 98 the Cardinals? Yes, it was. I remember that one. 99 lost, 2003 lost. 2006 lost, 2007 lost, 2009 beat the Eagles. Oh, I have no recollection. Then lost to the Vikings. And then didn't go to the playoffs for five years. (laughs) Beat the Lions in 2014. The PI game, yep. And then, of course... Lost to the Green Bay Packers on a catch. That was a catch. That was ruled not a catch. Just saying. That's right. By the way, not to get off track, one of the most beautiful playoff games. Like just that was aesthetically, like on the screen. Yeah, it was so and you knew it was going to, and the field looked very frozen. Like I don't know what they did to like frock the field or something. Yeah, that it's too bad they got kind of overshadowed by that one play, but just a beautiful-looking football game. Um, I thought of that game. Was it the Buffalo game, I think, maybe, where they made the pass late in the game, and he kind of caught it, took like half a step, maybe a second step, then as he caught it and brought it down, just lost it and fumbled it out of bounds. Like, no, that was a catch. I'm like, yeah, that oh, was yeah, a catch. Oh, uh, yeah, Buffalo and uh, Kansas City. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't think that was a catch either. And they were like, oh, like, no, no, oh, no he, two steps. Two, two, two steps. I'm like, yeah, but I don't think he ever right. he controlled the football. Anywho. Uh, so and, that was. Anywho. So. 2014. Then, yeah, beat Seattle and beat Tampa Bay retiring Tom Brady last year. So outside, okay, if we were to take the the Tampa and not to take not to not give you credit, I feel like I have to qualify all of these things because Dallas fans are not in their feelings, but they're a little defensive of their feelings right now. This is like aside from the Tampa game, your greatest win in twenty seven years. I'd have to look, but yeah, it, <laughs> it pops up there. I'm I mean, sure Quincy t- Carter had a big win. Uh nope. Not one. Troy Hambrick isn't walking through that door. Vinny Testaverde, you know, threw a lot of picks, but had a couple wins. Drew Bledsoe. Vin- but no, Vin- it's it's a big win. Uh, ironically, as I assume they would, it became, just because Dallas is so polarizing, it's either, oh, huge win for Dallas, great win. Probably number two favorite for the Super Bowl in the NFC right now, or big problems in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is just on the struggle bus right now. That's also kind of the narrative machine that we live in with the NFL. I mean, and we're we're literally contributing to it, recording this podcast. 
But, I mean, look at the Kansas City-Buffalo game. If you were to take all the coverage of that game, and now it's a little extreme because of Mahomes' reaction and the the clear, you know, lined up offsides, the coverage is like, what? It might be 95% about the Chiefs and the Chiefs losing and the Chiefs mm-hmm. in that play and their reaction to that. Like, there's been times that I forgot they were lined up against the Buffalo Bills on that play. Right. And, and, and now, you know who's happy about that? Probably the Buffalo Bills. Because if that Bills. wasn't offsides, like, just some horrendous time management. They had a Awful. first down with 212 remaining and proceeded to give them the ball back just on the other side of the two-minute warning. Well, they just threw three times. Yeah. I mean, it made abs- – I was watching it going, wait – what am I not adding up here? Why did they just let's throw give it three? back to Patrick Mahomes with two minutes and two timeouts? Because there was, I think, two oh nine, and not only that, they threw incredibly fast because there was two oh nine, and I think they ran two plays, and it was the third down play that was unsuccessful that stopped the clock at one fifty seven. Yeah, and I'm like, they're punting away with a minute fifty seven and two timeouts. Like th- this will not end well, but that's. It's the world we live in right now, Tom, where the Dallas is Dallas, I think, has gotten some of their flowers this week. I think there yeah. is the like I said, it's very split. Like there's no real yeah. in the middle. It's either yeah. great job, Dallas, horrendous job, Philadelphia. I think there's been just a little bit of surprise about Dallas, you know, that I think there's some that just expect because of the way the team has been the last few years that on this stage against the teams we believe to be clear-cut favorites, this was a statement game for Dallas. It was one that said, if you come here in the playoffs, as we're looking for these undeniable truths as to figuring out who's good and who you'd pick and who you don't want to play in the playoffs, we don't know if you would want to play Dallas here or there. You don't want to go to Dallas. No, they're rolling. They're rolling at home. What is it, 19 straight wins You know, at AT AT&T Stadium? I think it was 18 going into that one. So 19 straight wins. And none of the, they're beating the pants off of teams in that stadium. And now they sit with the two seed. I would say unlikely that they'll hold on to it. Philadelphia has, they have Seattle this week, which who's playing quarterback for Seattle this week? Don't even know. In Seattle, I mean, it's Name still, the backup. It's still whatever. But that's their toughest one. Then they have, I believe, Giants, Cardinals, Giants. And if they win, they win out last four, they automatically get the division based on tiebreakers, even if the Cowboys win out. And the Cowboys have the Bills, and they've got a couple tougher games. So more than likely, it'll be Philadelphia. And no one's catching San Francisco, I would think. Unless something happens, Brock Purdy is on one right now. So how does that line up? If you're, l- let's just say what you just said comes to fruition. Mm-hmm. So we have San Francisco one, Philadelphia two. The Cowboys would be the five. Yes. Which means they would play in the first round against the four, which is going to be the winner of the NFC South. Whoever so, that is, yeah. Tampa Bay or Atlanta. So essentially you get... A first round buy. Essentially, I mean, like you're not going to finish in first place, 
So getting fifth might actually be better because you get to not have a week off, but you get to beat up on the NFC South. Whatever team comes out of that, not named Carolina because they're mathematically eliminated, but one of the other three, you get to beat the pants off of. And I would take that over a bye week. Play. I think. I, honestly, I think you're you're better off, especially if you have no chance to get the number one. Which not to say you don't. We've seen San Francisco a couple of injuries here or there. You know, falter doesn't appear they're going to at this point. But yeah, then you would Debo probably and Trent Williams are healthy, but yeah, you more than likely you'd be headed to San Francisco after that, which isn't great. It's uh, not been great. Dallas has one Achilles heel this year. It, not great, Bob. Not great. That's Which, yeah, at that, that point, hey, Eagles win out. I don't know the tiebreaker with San Francisco. Maybe they drop one. I think I would rather play the Eagles in round two than San Francisco. I think if I were you, yeah, I, I, yeah I'd much rather play Philadelphia. That The defense is just... It's soft right now. Their secondary is wildly undisciplined, which was kind of their undoing last year with James Bradbury and the holding calls. And, you know, Kevin Byard hasn't really been what they, they hoped the addition would be. The linebacking core is just non existent in that front. I mean, look, Fletcher Cox is their best front seven player right now. And there was talk that he was going to retire before the season. And he's still the one making plays. I mean, he had the strip sack on Dak just this week. I mean, Jalen Carter is a force, but. Fletcher Cox is the guy. I don't know what's happened to this Philadelphia defense. It's like it got old overnight, mm-hmm. and it's just not what it was. And even you know the, the offensive line, the Eagles is still playing pretty well, but they're not running the ball the the way they had been. I think Jalen's beat up because he can't run the way he has. And there's something with that offensive line. It, it was the unit in football that I said, you can set your watch to it. They're dependable because, I mean, shoot – Casual fans can name all five members of the Eagles offensive line. It's that established. It's that dominant. And they're out there and they're playing. And Lane Johnson missed a couple of games due to injury. He's back, but a couple uncharacteristic penalties against Dallas this past weekend. You saw Kelsey had a bad snap on on a big play uh, from shotgun. I don't know. Just there seems to be some gaping holes in the armor. But then the stuff that you expect to be taken care of for them. Not quite so much. I, I don't know. Is Sirianni feeling himself a little too much? Because it seems like they've gotten away from their bread and butter. Just running the football. Well, their offensive coordinator has moved on and done very well. That's a fact. And Indy's rolling right now with Gardner Minshew. Minshew mania. There's something to be said for that, and we've seen Buffalo go through that same kind of growing pains. As soon as Brian Dable left, they thought they could replicate it by taking the, the quarterback coach and just trying to you know, keep the band out on the field, and that didn't work with Ken Dorsey. So, you know, I don't know. I, I think and maybe we're seeing it a little bit too with Miami where when you're rolling downhill and things are going great, you, know, you just get out of the way and, and let the boys play. We got to see with some of these young, talented coaches, can they write the ship? Yeah, I was watching Hard Knocks from last night where the Dolphins have that crushing loss to the Tennessee Titans on Monday night. You know, okay, well, let's see, you know, the, the pithy and smart Mike McDaniel, smart Alec Mike McDaniel, 
What does he say after a loss? What does he say after a loss where they blow? Was it a fourteen point lead with? Yeah, it was like the first time in whatever long thirty period years. Of time. Or yeah, so. it, it, it was it was a significant period of time that someone had blown a, a lead like that, and then you start adding it up. You're like, wait, wait a minute. You know, two fumbles by the Titans inside the red zone for the Dolphins set them up with those two late scores. Their only touchdown in the first half was on a fumble. It was on a pick six to a lineman from like six yards out. Otherwise, it was a couple of field goals. And you're like, wait, like what just happened with this team and why can't they fix it? And you see the injury with Tyreek Hill. It's like, okay, there's no adjustment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Sirianni's in the same boat where he's like, wait, you mean I can't just have my uber-athletic quarterback run around the pocket, throw deep balls to Smith and Brown, or just run through gaping holes in the offensive line? I what mean, do you do you, now? You look at it. They're ten and three, Philadelphia, and their point differential is only plus twenty one. Ten and three with only a plus twenty one is very hard to do. I mean, Dallas is ten and three with a plus one eighty eight. Well, because Dallas, I mean, with Dallas, wins, well, sure. they win. They pounded some people, they're, but they're, I mean, they're the Hawks, and sure, but San Francisco plus one seventy five. Uh, Kansas City plus 64. The Ravens are plus 143. Miami's plus 117. Buffalo is 7 and 6 and plus 104. The only people that are in playoff contention close to the Eagles, the Jags are plus 22, leading the South. And of course, the NFC South, Tampa Bay sitting on top of the minus 8. Atlanta sitting in second with a minus 18. And New Orleans sitting in third with a plus 24. What is the Panthers number? Minus 144. Oh. Not the worst. Washington, minus 134. Patriots the Giants, <laughs> the Giants minus 131. No, the Patriots will be bad because we've lost a bunch of one-score games this year. Patriots are minus 103. Yeah, it, it ain't great, but we've lost a lot of, like, three-point games this season. But, yeah, feeling good, I will say yes. You should. It's a very big win, biggest they've had, and more importantly, it's, you know, Dak, prime time, big yeah. game, getting a win. And you needed to see it. Yeah, I think he's now slight favorite for MVP ahead of Brock Purdy, though Brock Purdy's still... I have Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy in my fantasy team, mm-hmm. and I've stayed strong with Hurts, and it's pretty much paid off. But at some point, I think I just got to pull the switch and go Brock Purdy right now. Um, let's let's move. I want to do a little bit of draft talk, not necessarily players, but I feel like the consensus is Chicago should take a quarterback. Financially, it makes the most sense. You do a soft reset. You get two more years of rookie-scale contract. I say that. Justin Fields has actually looked pretty good the last four or five weeks since he came back from injury. But that's that's kind of the consensus I've seen is... You're not close enough to where you should be getting ready to pay 
Justin Fields another contract, you reset and you do the rookie scale again. I'm going to throw this out there. Who says no? Okay. Okay. Chargers call and say, we need a soft reset. Justin Herbert for the first pick. Who says no? I'm going to say, I'm going to give this an expedited review because the the amount of time I'd have to think about that is probably not good radio. Um, God, that's a good one, especially with the uh, Southern California tie with, well. I'll I'll let you think for a second, and I'll give you my my thought train. Okay. Is Chicago says no. Because it's kind of like I just said, you're not close enough to where you want to take on that kind of money. That doesn't really help you. And if we're being fair, Justin Herbert was a top five guy going into the year. Sure. On everybody's list. Is he top 10? Still? For being realistic? And we say, okay, are you taking you know, Herbert or Brock Purdy? Are you taking Herbert or Dak Prescott? I mean, Justin Herbert's Mr. 500. (laughs) He's going to win you two, lose you two, win one, lose two, win two. He's Mr. 500 right now. And a lot of that, I mean, I think their coach is awful. Um, God, is Mike McCarthy in the running for coach of the year right now? Oh, 100% he is. 100% he is. I mean, if you he, think he's the, looking like a genius right now. <laughs> he is. Let let Mike Cook th- think of this. I mean, I, I was considering this after the, the Dallas one on Sunday night. And we just witnessed, you know, another, you know, the Chargers are starting Easton Stick now and Herbert's out and you know, they beat the Patriots 6 nothing a week ago. And I'm going, man, remember before the season? I mean, could we play the clip? of you saying, oh, yes, Mike McCarthy's in charge of the Cowboy offense, and we just let Kellen Moore walk to the, the Chargers. Like, he had a job the second he walked out of, you know, Valley Ranch. There's something wrong with this, and now the Chargers are the Chargers. They're probably firing Staley and the whole coaching staff. You called it the soft reset. That's a hard reset. Yeah, I, I think they're getting rid of everybody. Unless Kellen Moore's like, hey, I'll stay for the lowest contract you can give a head coach in the NFL and the Spanos family goes, yeah, sure. Why not? We don't want to pay a head coach. I I think there's probably enough bad stink on the head coach to where Kellen Moore could still get a decent offensive coordinator job. Oh, I think so. I I think so. I mean, I think he's one that if they clean house and, and they get rid of everyone, I think it's a situation where he ends up as a QB coach somewhere. Like offensive coordinator in Carolina. Yeah, or, or ends up with like a college OC job or something for a year. You know, like he goes to wherever they have an opening at a yeah. but, you know, a Texas or Oklahoma or something for one year and then ends up back on the NFL radar in a year or yeah. two. But we digress. So the question, who says no, Herbert, for the first pick? As weird as it is to say, I mean, it's, Probably the Bears, because I think, as you said, 
it comes down to that rookie contract and, and control for five years and, and what you have to pay for them. If you would want a Justin Herbert, if you're the bears, if you think, man, we can contend next season in the bears defense. And really, if you take September out of what they've done this season, I mean, they were what? Oh, and four in September and just looked yes. like the dregs of society. There was a brief moment where everyone was convinced that the bears were going to have the top two picks in the draft. Remember that time period where they mm-hmm. were 0-4, the Panthers were 0-4, both looked terrible, the Bears owned both picks, and it was like, oh my goodness, they're going to draft Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison, and that's how they're going to restart the franchise. Caleb Williams helps you restart. Justin Herbert is like, we're going to win next year. Because as, as weird as it is to say, he's still a good young quarterback, but you need someone who's going to kind of develop with your program. And you could be really good with Caleb Williams next year. But just Herbert, you kind of have to be. Plus, you know, you're going to pay him some of that money. You know, the Chargers aren't buying all of that. So, as weird as it is to say, with this quarter, with, now if you were to look at say last year's quarterback class, or even you know this year's rookie crop, you know, I mean, people weren't convinced. I mean, they didn't think C.J. Stroud was C.J. Stroud. They were thinking of Bryce Young. I mean, two years ago you had the the Kenny Pickett class like this is more of a Trevor Lawrence situation where you go, okay, consensus, we have a number one. No one's going to fault you. If this doesn't go well, no one's going to fault you for that pick. That being said, though, you have perhaps a transcendent talent. Both quarterbacks, your consensus top two, probably are lower on the excitement than they were going into the year. It's gone down a bit. I mean, part of that is... You know, Caleb Williams just got ridiculous hype going into the year. They won and, the Heisman. I mean, whenever you win the Heisman, you still have eligibility. You know, the excitement level goes through the roof, and you really can't. I mean, look, think of Manziel, think of Tebow. No one remember like their last year isn't what gets remembered. I mean, Tebow lost to Alabama in the SEC championship Johnny football. last year. Johnny Football, I think, was playing like Duke in a, a New Year's Eve game, you know, his final season at Texas A&M. So it's the Heisman season, and when they win it as a, a freshman or a sophomore, that's what gets remembered because there's always going to be sort of that, li- that. That's why we don't see back-to-back Heismans. It's happened one time. It's Archie Griffin in, I think, 76 and 77 at Ohio State. You just don't see it, and I think there's part of that of like – I mean, the, the all season long when USC got their second loss, people were going, all right, is Caleb Williams going to take the rest of the season off? They got their third loss. Okay. He's definitely not going to play the rest of the season. They got their fourth. Okay. They're not going to, he's not going to play anymore. Like this guy's done. He wasn't playing on a very good team. I mean, that, that defense was horrendous. They lost a couple shootouts. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's still a, a highly desirable prospect, but man, I, I don't know. I, I can't believe that I'm saying I wouldn't take Justin Herbert. This has been kind of a damning year for Herbert. I mean, I think he's been hurt a lot, but. It's like hand injuries, finger injuries. Like I, I think he's left games like three different times with hand injuries, and now finally, you know, and put just him out for the final month, a lot of bad drives at the end of the game with the game on the line. There is starting to be some scar tissue from some of these drives where you look at you like eh, maybe not. God, yeah, it, it, it's hard to say. Though I've never, let's say never, I haven't been all over the Justin Herbert like hype. Because I don't feel like a big moment like, man, Justin Herbert is just going to tear this team apart. You know, like limb from limb, and he's just going to run down the field and score a touchdown. Very good quarterback, but 
I think it's more of a drop off than people indicate, especially before the season. Where they say, oh, he's absolutely a top five quarterback. I was like, eh. he's like a much better Ryan Mallet. <laughs> okay, I mean that's you know. I said much no, better. No, no, no but... disrespect to the dead. You know, no, R.I.P. Yeah. Ryan Mallet. But uh, looking at it, Chicago's got a shot, man, to make the playoffs. They're five and eight. They have Joe Flacco in Cleveland, Arizona, Atlanta, and rounding it out in Green Bay in the final week. They could win out, go nine and eight, and potentially make the playoffs. And no one, I mean, you can't make sense of that division. Yeah, the Lions look like a tour de force, and now they just have these. I mean, and people were picking against them. People were outright picking the Bears to beat them a week ago, and then they did. Um, they they should have beat him three weeks ago too. Now the Packers, just as soon as everyone believes in love, you don't believe in love after Devito. I don't know. It, it's it seems like a division that is no longer unattainable. You know the Vikings. Who knows what the Vikings are going to look like next year? It, it is certainly a division in flux. You like where the Lions are, but yeah, people, you got to love that Bears stock. It's it's rising quickly. God, you mentioned him. I have to, like, it's got to be played up a little bit. Tommy DeVito and his agent, like, they had to have at least been like, okay, like, we get it. Let's let's play it up a little bit. Let's get the fedora out. Oh, big time. Like, that can't be real people. <laughs> oh, no, I think it's definitely a character. Uh, I heard some yesterday. Apparently, the agent, he's I think he's a Boston guy. And he's pretty well known in Boston, represents a lot of, you know, some media types and, you know, athletes, whatever. But I guess he's known as the type of agent who would dress the part in that way. So that is not like how he walks around. That was very much a, this is what I'm wearing because my guy's starting on Monday Night Football, which, you know, in that case, I respect it even more. The kissing in the stands, though, that, 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 <laughs> Tommy DeVito's father kissing the agent. The agent, I mean, just oh my goodness, that that I actually kind of enjoyed. Like the whole lead up to it, I'm like, okay, like what is to quote uh, Logan Roy from Succession? These are not serious people. No, I don't think they have the run the Bears have left. They've got the Eagles twice, the Rams, and I think the Rams are actually good. They Man. might be. They might be. That combo of Pukunakua and Cooper Cup is uh, as and then much the running to watch back. as it is to like, say. How do you you nail the receiver and the running back in the same year? I know. And, and Matt Stafford, like three weeks ago, was like done for the year and suddenly wasn't. And they're pretty like, sure his spine is put together with like shoestring and bubble gum. And he still really? just looks like vintage Matt Stafford. It is wild, especially because I was thinking about this as we're staring down the barrel of Thursday Night Football between Aiden O'Connell and Easton Stick, because that's a phrase we're using in 2023. Just the sheer number of backup quarterbacks that are starting on a week-to-week basis right now. I mean, in this, we can bring this all the way back to the Kansas City Chiefs. If you were to tell me before the season that the Kansas City Chiefs on December 13th were not the number one seed in the AFC, and Joe Burrow's out. Deshaun Watson's out. Two is actually healthy. 
The Patriots and Jets are both starting backup quarterbacks. Herbert's out. The Raiders are on a backup quarterback. Uh, the Titans are on a backup quarterback. I mean, like, I'm just doing this off the top of my head. You can run down every division. Like, I don't think there's one division that has three starting quarterbacks going right now. Probably not. And I'm uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here before anyone anyone else hops on the train. And I'm sure someone else has, but I'm taking full credit. Jake Browning is this year's Matt Flynn. Remember Matt Flynn, huge game for the Green Bay Packers, final game of the season, gets a monster deal from Seattle. They they draft Russell Wilson in the third round, I want to say. And Flynn gets beat out by Russell, and pretty much Matt Flynn never starts again. Other than some spots, spot start for an injury, maybe, maybe. Say with the Raiders, did he end up with the Raiders? I think he did for at one point. That sounds about right. Uh, but you know, dude, it's, Jake it's Browning, not a bad comparison. So what? Two weeks, two weeks. Last two weeks, he's over six hundred yards, three touch, touchdowns passing. I think he had a rushing one in there. Well, I mean, just look at he's Brock Purdy. Uh, well, I mean, look at Monday Night Football. Will Levis versus Tua, and then Tommy DeVito versus Jordan Love. Like, there's changing of the guard, and then there's just, like, everyone out of the pool. Like, the fact that this week's games, we're looking at names like Bailey Zappi, Easton Stick, Aiden O'Connell, I was going to say O'Donnell, uh, Nick Mullins, Tyler's back. You know, like... We're already seeing like the backups who have come in for injured quarterbacks be replaced, switch teams. I'm looking at you, Josh Dobbs. Um, it's Joe Flacco is back and out of retirement and slinging the ball. I, I don't know. It, it's Gardner Minshew's played almost the whole season for the Colts. It, it is, it's just a wild time. And the, the strange thing is, you know, like Tommy DeVito, like Will Levis. I mean, that's why Monday night was so much fun and. I mean, say what you want about having the two Monday night games at the exact same time. You know, if you have two screens, you're fine, but it's still you have to make a choice of like which has volume, which doesn't. Uh, but it was a lot of fun with freaking Will Levis and Tommy DeVito at the same time. Like the color that's being added to the game with some of these characters, it's just like I think Big Cat made the point on Pardon My Take this week where. He's like, Major League Baseball is trying everything they can to make Mike Trout marketable and interesting, and he's a superstar transcendent player. And the NFL is just like, hey, look, Tommy DeVito, he's Italian. And the world's like, oh, my God, look at this guy. Like, look at his dad and and chicken cutlets, and people are just losing their loving minds about it. And Major League Baseball is like, this guy over here is like a modern day Mickey Mantle, except he's like a just a real good straight and narrow guy. And everyone's like, ah, I don't care. Tell me about the guy who lives with his parents in the shadow of the stadium. G- give me that one. Oh, Eating gabagool like, before the game. His agent looks like the guy that tried to kill Don Corleone. I mean, just. <laughs> uh, what a world. Crazy. He did. Uh, Matt Flynn, by the way, did get. Six more starts with four in Green Bay and one in Oakland. 
after his one year in Seattle. I was like when a guy leaves a team then immediately goes back. Fun fact, one of my favorite games that I've been to live was Patriots-Packers Sunday Night Football 2010, which is the year the Packers won the Super Bowl. They won Super Bowl 45. Uh, it was right before Christmas. I want to say the 20, 20th, 21st. That was the game with the Dan Connolly kick return where he took it to the five. Dan Connolly, who's an offensive lineman and just like rumbled with two hands on the ball, like a fullback and a goal line dive, but he rumbled all the way to the five. Um, the starting quarterback of that game for the Packers was not Aaron Rodgers. It was Matt Flynn. Like people forget that in December of their Super Bowl run, Matt Flynn was starting games and the game actually ended the final play from like, I don't know, the 15 yard line. Uh, Matt Flynn got strip sacked by Tully Bantikane to end the game. It's just like the wildest ending that the Packers scored. I think it was like a four point game or something that the Packers scored. They win and poor Matt Flynn strip sacked. Them's the breaks. What happens? It was a wild game though. All right. Before we move on towards our immaculate grid for the week. We have to dive a little bit into baseball and the contract heard around the world. $700 million for 10 years. Adjusted or deferred money. So he's only going to take $2 million a year for the next 10 years. And then he is going to make Bobby Bonilla Day look like you know fishing pennies out of the fountain at your local park is he's going to make 68 million dollars a year from whatever it is 2035 to 2045 if that's a real year that's going to happen it's it's not that that that'll never come because he is the most marketable he's Maybe next to LeBron James, the most marketable athlete in the world right now. They said he's probably making about $50 million a year right now in endorsements. Sure. So he takes $2 million, And now the Dodgers are really making a push to be the new evil empire. Because they're out talking to Yamamoto because they're paying... Their star, the biggest star in baseball, like a minor leaguer who just got called up. So the Boston Red Sox signed reliever Cooper Criswell yesterday for one year, $1 million. So just $1 million less than Shohei Otani got from the Dodgers. Credit Rob Bradford for that. Now I should say um, they did nothing wrong. Collective bargaining agreement, they say, yeah, you can defer money. So, but shouldn't it be wrong? Like, I've so badly wanted to say, but I haven't because I'm not, uh, what's that, progressive? Is that the ad where, like, you're becoming your parents? I really just want to yell, isn't that illegal? Like, there is no salary cap in Major League Baseball, but there is the luxury tax threshold, which is significant. You can't cross it, like... It's yeah. effectively like a soft cap in Image League Baseball because yeah, I think they said what well, he's going to count for like forty six. 
something like that. As well, opposed to... And I heard someone explain it this morning where that because of inflation, which is like atmospheric, you know, like how the world turns, that due to inflation, the the number 700 million is really like 460. You know, that like you shouldn't look at it as 700 million, that because of inflation and when they're going to pay it, it's actually more like 460 million. So really, it's only like 130 million more than Aaron Judge got. Don't know how that works out. Someone tried to explain it today. Don't think I followed. But the idea being, how, I guess, twenty years from now when they pay off that last bit. Right. This seems like I mean, if you were to look at it in conjunction, I mean he just doubled up the biggest contract in baseball history. This feels like when Manny Ramirez signed with the Red Sox for one sixty and then A Rod signed for two fifty two, like the next day. Everyone's like, oh my God, 160, the biggest contract ever. And then Scott Boris said, hold my beer and got 252. And then no one crossed 252 until just a handful of years ago. You know, it was still the biggest contract. It's like, everyone's like, oh my God, where's it going to go? Who's going to be the first billion dollar guy? And it's like, wait, 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 we're still 10 or 15 years from that. Like, we're not getting there uh, anytime soon. But how is this legal? How can. A guy just said, no, 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 I'm only going to be $2 million, but they have promised me $68 million a year. Like I tweeted this right after it ha- after they made the announcement of the contract structure. I was like, so the Dodgers get Otani for $2 million for 10 years, and then for 10 years they don't get to have a baseball team. Like They have to take a decade off because their spending was too exorbitant in the first 10 years that they have to literally – pay the piper, pay the players, and they don't get to play no more. Like Hamilton Porter hitting the ball into the beast backyard. Ham, you idiot. Now he can't play no more. That's what the Dodgers have to have, right? But no, they're still somehow going to get to pay Shohei Otani for him not to play $68 million a season for another decade. And I'm going to imagine at that point, they're still paying like, I don't know, Ichiro Jr., and Vlad Guerrero the third or whoever is you know, the next stud in Major League Baseball at that point, and they're just going to pay them six hundred million dollars. the The way they turn into the evil empire, one, they got to win. That's a big part of it because right now people love Shohei; they want to see him win. For the first year, I think there'd be a little bit of a grace period, even if they are this kind of evil empire incarnate for twenty twenty four. The other way they do it is. I mean, I almost choked when I read the headline yesterday of after signing Otani, the Dodgers are still interested in Josh Hader, the closer for the Padres, and still want to sign Yamamoto. And then today, they add on top of that, the Dodgers close to trading for Manuel Margot and Tyler Glasnow. So, and I I know he's coming off of Tommy John. He's missed most of the last couple of seasons, former Cy Young winner. But if they sign Glasnow, if they trade for Glasnow and they sign Yamamoto, heaven help us. Yeah, you're right. They they will be painted as an evil empire, but they've got to win. Because right now all they have is that COVID ring from 2020. But boy, howdy. They've signed some likable guys. None of these guys are not likable. People love Shohei. I rue the day that Mookie Betts left Boston. I still can't hate the guy. Freddie Freeman, wildly likable. Dave Roberts, mm. likable manager. Yamamoto, sure. But dear God, 
at least as Red Sox fans, we could say at least in the National League. We'd have to get there to worry about it, and then it's, you know. And for the Red Sox, I don't think we have to worry about it for a while. At least, you know, Sports Illustrated, which is still a thing, I guess. They have Red Sox as the favorite right now for Yamamoto. They have what? Did did AI generate that one? Because I'm pretty sure... (laughs) I'm pretty sure they think it's between the Mets and the Yankees. And last I checked, I saw a headline before we went on air that Yamamoto's meeting with the Dodgers is going to include Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Shohei Otani. That is true. Great. The uh, the perks listed for the Red Sox is just that they don't have to sign Soto to an extension. Uh, they don't have to sign Pete Alonso to an extension. And they are pretty much only locked in to Devers, Trevor Story, and Yoshida for the most part. Are the only somewhat long term assets. No, so so what they're saying is we don't have very many good players, but we have a Japanese player. Hey, you can you can see that glass is half full. Well, and I guess that has been something Yamamoto is interested in, that he wants to play with another Japanese player. He wants to go somewhere with one, you know. So I think, is there a chance that the Dodgers signed Otani just to have a Japanese player so that Yamamoto would want to go there? Like, I feel like there's a chance that Otani just never pitches again. It's very possible. And I've said this, and I think I've even said on this podcast about the Dodgers, it's like every season follows the same script. Kershaw's good. The Dodgers then bring up a guy like Walker Bueller or Tony Gonsolon or Dustin May or I mean just go down through the list and they will win like 19 games. They'll go 19 and 2, probably start the All-Star game. They will go down in September, probably have Tommy John surgery, miss a year and a half, we'll really never see them again. They'll be included in some drip. Like the number of guys that they've had come up and win like 18 to 21 games. And then just like, I have no, like I literally Bueller, Bueller, Walker Bueller, like Dustin may throwing a thousand miles an hour. And I think he was pitching at the bullpen at the end of this past season. Tony Gonsolin was going to start the all-star game. He vanished in August. They have an issue with starting pitchers. The only durable one's been Kershaw. He's at his Knicks here and there and his postseason has been horrendous. But, oh, yeah, like this is, for Shohei Otani, the pitcher, this is maybe the worst place you go. This is like a running back signing with the Baltimore Ravens who already has a partially torn ACL. You want to push it to the limit and take that thing all the way? Sign with the Ravens. Tear both of them. Clayton Kershaw's 35. Been doing a long time. MVP, three Cy Youngs. Gold Glove. I always, forget, I always forget he was an MVP. I always remember the Verlander one. I forget uh, that Kershaw did it, too. Five-time ERA title. He's a great one. I, I love Kershaw. I like watching Kershaw. The postseason thing, though, is just staggering. Mm. All right, let's uh, move into our Immaculate Grid for the week. We have on the top row the Indianapolis Colts the Arizona Cardinals, and a Super Bowl champ 
down the side, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, and the New York Jets. If this is your first time listening to us do this, the Immaculate Grid, immaculategrid.com, not a sponsor. Uh, you have to find a player that meets the parameters of where they meet up in the nine square grid. So along the top, Indy, along the side, Kansas City, you had to find a player that played for both franchises, so on and so forth. All right. I love it. Uh, you want to put it up on the screen? I, got, I need a visual. At this time nice. of night, I got to have it in front of me. So we've been hitting these now for a few weeks on the show. Yeah, three or four maybe. We have been enjoying. So we're keeping it going. So kicking it off, Colts, Chiefs. That's a good one. I feel like you're probably looking, what, defense? I feel like there's probably been some linebacker crossover. Uh, Yeah, how was the Frank Clark? Is that one? For for some reason, the whole, like, uh, D. Ford, Frank Clark, like, who played for the Niners? Who played for the Colts? I think D. Ford was Niners. He went Niners, Chiefs. Frank Clark, I'm trying to think of where. Did Dwight Freeney have a cup of coffee with Kansas City? He jumped around a little bit there down the stretch. I don't think he did. His, his cup of, you're right. He's one that I'm always surprised. He was like Atlanta, Seattle, Arizona. Justin Houston? Justin Houston would absolutely be one. Justin spelled J-U-S-T-O-N. I don't think that's right. I'm not questioning you, but I feel like that, yeah. I don't appreciate odd spellings. Uh, (laughs) Especially the ones, there's another one the other day that I was trying to spell, and it wasn't coming up, and I'm like, wait, I I know, what do you mean this guy isn't coming up? And there was, again, it was a weird spelling, like there was an extra, I don't know, like, I can't remember what the the spelling was because I can't remember who the player was, but it was it was a weird one. I was like, I know this guy did. Mm. Anyway, uh, so where do we want to go here? So the one I always think of when it comes to uh, Colts Steelers, and this is one that does not count because I've, I've had to look this up before. Um, I thought, oh, did we decide on Colts Chiefs? Oh no, we didn't decide on Colts Chiefs. Do you have something better than Justin Houston? No, let's go Justin Houston. That's a good one. I feel like for some reason, like I'm gonna have to look up the whole like D Ford spelt normally. There's someone who spells it with an O. Ooh, thirty-one percent. Mm. Okay, Colts Steelers. I feel like there's like some '90s wide receivers that were Colts Chiefs or something. Like you know, some of those guys that you're like, oh yeah, they played with. Jim Harbaugh or something, but they're not coming to mind. Uh, Colt Steelers, the one that always comes to mind, does not count, and it is Johnny Unitas because he never actually played in real games for the Steelers. But they had him, they cut him, he signed with the Colts uh, after playing with the Bloomfield Rams in the semi-pro league. So Johnny Unitas does not count, even though he was uh, originally drafted by the Steelers. So, 
crossing that one off the list. Uh, the one I've used, I know I've used this one before, is Eric Ebron, the tight end. Mm. Yep. Because uh, I don't think this one, well. did I know he had the stint with Pittsburgh. Did Darius Hayward Bay play for the Colts? Ooh, I want to say he did. But Darius Hayward Bay is one that I've thought of a few times where I go, oh, yeah, he must have played there, and it turns out like he never played. <laughs> it's like, no, he was he was a Raider, he was a Steeler, and that was like, yeah. No, I, I think you're right that he – I think he did. I know Eric Ebron did. Uh, I'm trying to think of – Yeah, there's and there's usually not a ton of movement with like the Pittsburgh franchise. That that's what Pittsburgh and Green Bay. Green Bay is is tough. They just don't sign that many free agents, so you have to mm-hmm. kind of pick one of the the big names that they did. Um, oh, we could go with the uh, Big Daddy Lipscomb. He was a defensive tackle on those Baltimore Colt teams. He finished with with Pittsburgh. Until you can work a guy named Big Daddy into the lineup. All right. Where do we want to go here? Let's go Big Daddy Lipscomb. Eugene Lipscomb. A lot of Eugenes. Yeah, I've used Eugene Robinson a lot of times, too. Okay. Then I missed something because I only have Oh, Eugene maybe Lockhart. maybe it's just Gene. I think he's... Yeah, I just looked up in... Uh, Pro football reference is just Gene Lipscomb. Point two. That's a good one. Colts, Jets, Frank Gore. Yeah, I always forget. Frank Gore is another one that had that long, I don't know what you want to call it. He's like, one of the all-time to his career all-time leaders in NFL history. And you're like, wait, what? Frank Gore? But then, but then you forget, you're like, oh, that's right. He was in Buffalo for like a year. He's with the Jets for a couple, you know, just... Yeah. Uh, several teams there. I'm trying to think. There was. It's not Randy Beverly. There was someone in the secondary for the Jets in Super Bowl three that came from the Colts, oh, but I'm not going to speak to that. I feel like Cromartie played for both. Maybe. I'm not positive on the Colts. Mm-hmm. Colts are another. I mean, your your brain immediately goes to the Peyton era. You know, so you're like, oh, but like most of those guys, I mean, like Dallas Clark, I think had what a year in Baltimore or something at the end of his career. But like other than that, you're talking like Marvin Harrison didn't play anywhere else, and I mean Reggie Wayne. Well, I don't remember if he had a year. We went to the Patriots, but he didn't technically play for the Patriots. So a lot of those, I mean, Edron James bounced around a little bit. God, I feel like I should be better with this one just because they're such you know, old school AFC East teams. Mm. All right. Yeah, let's just go Frank Gore. It's going to be a big one. It's not going to be it's, it's not going to be what we need, but Oh, 63. That might yeah. be the highest we've ever had on this. Since we've been the highest ever. There's been one or two. I hate it when baseball uh one of them I think is like Washington Nationals rookie of the year or something like that. And right, the only so... one they've ever had is it's Bryce Harper. It's like, oh, well, so that's 100%. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of those where it's like you absolutely have to pick 
something that's 100%. All right. Uh, Cardinals, Chiefs. The Honey Badger, probably the most popular. Yeah, that would be the one that, that jumps to mind. Not too many others. Cardinals are a team that, I'll be honest, I kind of forget exists most of the time. Not a lot of, you know, like outstanding, you know, all-time greats, you know, aside from like the Emmett Smith year, which it's, it's so funny to me that Emmett Smith has become, you know, if you have to put something for the Cardinals, it's like, oh, well, just put Emmett Smith or, you know, Hall of Famer played for the Cardinals, put Emmett Smith. And now it's like the most popular answer. Right. I did just look with someone up because I didn't think it was remotely right. And I was right, but I'm not going to use it because I cheated, but... I like it. I, I respect your honor. Who who did you say? Terrell Suggs played for Arizona and Kansas City in his last year. That's a good idea. Yeah, forgot that. I, I remember him in Arizona because that's where he went after Baltimore. But yeah, that's right. I wouldn't have remembered the, the sojourn with the Chiefs. Only played two games. That's kind of what makes this fun. Uh, well, it's almost like James Harrison with the Patriots. It's like, wait, wait a minute. What happened? Um... Yeah, let's just put the honey badger. Like, we're not getting a low score on this one. No. And, and I, I look at the team like the Cardinals. It's like, let's just get out with a win. I think it's. Yeah, I think it's A and N. Let's just go. There he is. 72. 72. We're breaking records tonight, Tommy. Uh, Cardinals Steelers. Uh, first one is Joey Porter is the first one that yeah. jumps to mind. Feels like there should be more guys, you know, because we can't use coaches, right? Like we can't use like Ken Wisenhunt, who I think was like DC and then the head coach. Yeah. You know, it's like, it would be fun if you could add that to it, but um. Rashad Mendenhall? Oh, that could be. See, what I, I was saying this before the show always screws me up when two teams played in the Super Bowl. Because like, I'll start picturing guys, and it's like, oh, no, wait. That's just because all my images of that team are against that other team in the Super Bowl. So when you say Rashad Mendenhall, I'm like, yeah, I mean, he might have, but like, I could all just, sort of just be remembering that because they played in Super Bowl 43 against each other. That's fair. I'm going to go with Porter. Yeah, I feel more confident in that one. That was actually a lot lower than I was expecting. 4%. I think because he also was in Miami, I think, for a bit. So I think the, the time with the Cardinals gets sort of forgotten. That brings us to... Cardinals and Jets. Uh, I feel like I always throw out Josh McCown. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can generally throw out Josh McCown. Can't use Josh Rosen, though. Haven't had a Josh Rosen reference in a while. Um, I wonder where the chosen yeah, Bo- is. Boomer Siason definitely did. I don't think a- yeah. I'm bad with kickers. I really need to just study kickers because I think I could use a lot because so many kickers play for so many different teams. 
There's that, a few that are popular, and Jay Feely was a popular one. He was always like doing sports talk and stuff. And I'm yeah. ninety plus percent sure Jay Feely. I know he was a Jet. I had him on my my last podcast, and I feel like he kicked for the Cardinals in the Kurt Warner era. That seems right. All right, let's go, with Jay Feely. Hey, one percent in a Cardinals right. uni in this picture. Uh, obscure. <laughs> Those makes you feel good. All right, who's your obscure Kansas City Super Bowl champ? Let's go with. So we're not going to go off any of the recent Super Bowl. Did teams. Terrell well, Suggs win in that one year? <laughs> <laughs> when was that? That would have been. Oh, when did Suggs retire? Twenty nineteen. It was at the end of the year. It was on. Eh, I almost want to say it was. It might have been the one where they beat San Francisco. Um, let's go with. Oh, let's go with my my favorite modern chief, not named Mike Devito, uh, the great Anthony Sherman. Point oh two. Do you forget he was the fullback on their Super Bowl fifty six team? Steelers Super Bowl champ Plaxico Burris. Uh, was he? I almost don't think. I believe. He, yeah. no, didn't he make? Uh, didn't he have the big catch against the Cardinals? No, Santonio Holmes. But because, they were the same. Uh, be, because Plax had the go ahead touchdown Super Bowl forty two. So I don't, I don't think he was still on. I don't think he was on the forty team. Um, I mean, we want to go like way back. I mean, you could pick like the center on those seventy Steelers team. Right. Like Mike Webster was the the center on those teams. I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame, so he's a name. But I mean, you could also go with like a Elsie Greenwood or Mike Webster. One percent. He's a Hall of Fame center. Jets Super Bowl champ Mark Sanchez. No. Uh, so pretty much you have to go from someone from Super Bowl three. So everyone's going to say Joe Namath. Uh, some will probably say Don Maynard. Some may remember Matt Snell, Emerson Boozer, who was sort of the split back. We'll get some. Um, this one's all. Um, I mean, Randy Beverly had the interceptions. In Super Bowl three, so I don't think I mean not many are going to remember the name Randy Beverly, but uh, um, Randy Beverly it is point oh nine. So yeah, many did I think not. He had two interceptions. Wow, they had two picks in Super Bowl three. If like you one take out at least. Frank Gore, Honey Badger, and Justin Houston. We dominated that week. Uh, Sterling, yeah, where can they you, find your stuff? Four, Feely's, Feely's 1%. <laughs> Sherman and Lipscomb. Yeah, no, that's that's remarkable. I think I had a nine in baseball the other day. Just it all lined up. Uh, yeah, you can read uh, everything. I'll have a Patriots preview uh, coming out Friday morning, previewing their game this week with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the original uh, Sterling Patriots notebook comes out the morning after every Patriots game. 
you can find that all on sterlingpingry.substack.com. Subscribe for free. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Give it to a family member you love. Don't even tell them. Just sign them up. And on Christmas morning, you will have the original Patriots notebook after the Patriots play the Denver Broncos on Christmas Eve. Sterlingpingry.substack.com. There you go. Uh, we will be back next week. Make sure you like, share, tell your friends, leave us a nice review. All of those things would be appreciated. You've been listening to the NSO Pod, a production of Uncommon Media. Uncommon Media.